in 2012 when Hurricane Sandy hit New York. It was some of the worst flooding and storm surge that area had ever seen. And Glenda Moore was at home with her two toddlers. Her husband worked for the city, and so he'd been called in to, to help. And as floodwaters were rising on Staten Island, she was getting nervous and wanted to get to higher ground to seek refuge for her and her, her two kids. And so she got in her SUV and started heading, trying to drive to Brooklyn where they knew people that would be higher and safer. Um, but due to the, 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 the rain and the flooding, uh, as she was driving in her, in, her, in her SUV, a portion of the road had washed out and she didn't see it because it was under uh, some of the, the, the water. And her front tires went down into this, uh, this sinkhole where the water had washed the road out. Water started flooding into her, uh, her vehicle. She's able to get her two young children out, and they seek refuge, uh, clinging to a tree right by the side of the road. Water continues to rise. The, the rains are coming down, the wind's blowing, the sea's in. She sees a home just, just next to where her car has gone into this, this hole. And so she goes up and they, they start beating on the, she does, on the, the door, trying to get somebody to let them in, seeking refuge and safety for her and her family. No response, nothing. She picks up a concrete planter, smashes a hole in the window beside the door so that she can reach in and unlock it and try to push in, hoping that there they could find refuge during this the storm, this time of disaster. The door will not budge. She can't get it open at all. Waters continue to rise, and eventually the storm surge washes her two little children out of her grip. They're found the next morning, about a quarter mile away, dead. Police began to investigate. They found out that the reason the door wouldn't open is because the owner of the house was sitting in front of the door, barricading himself against it, holding it to keep her from coming inside his home. She was unable to find refuge because he refused to offer it. Now some of us, as we think about the God of the Bible, and we think about the desire for refuge, for safety, for salvation. Uh, some of us in, in, in our minds may have a picture of God that is very much like that homeowner who is resistant, who doesn't want to save or deliver or provide refuge to people. Definitely one who would never provide refuge to someone like you or someone like me. Is that a proper perspective or thought that we would have of God? How will he respond to your calls, your pleas, your searching and seeking for refuge in him? We've been working our way through a portion of Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. Matthew was uh, one of Jesus' followers. He's written an authorized account of Jesus' life and teachings, and he's given us this genealogy. 
of Jesus of Nazareth. And he's done something unusual for the, 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 the time as he's included uh, some women in this genealogy. And we've been looking at the four of the women that are mentioned in the Old Testament to try to gain understanding of what does their inclusion in the genealogy teach and show us about our God, about his character, about the person and work of Jesus. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at uh, a lady named Ruth. Ruth, who, uh, she has a whole book about her in the Old Testament. There's more written about her than any of the other ladies that we've looked at up to this point. Ruth is one who is desperately in need of refuge. How does God respond to her? What does that tell us about how Jesus and God will respond to us? So if you would, look with me uh, in Matthew chapter 1. We'll start here. Later we'll look over in the book of Ruth. If you are following along in your Bible there in the, the pew, this is on page 807, looking at verses 1 through 6 this morning. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have not left yourself uh, without uh, revelation in this world, uh, that you've been kind enough to go past what is apparent to us from looking at the natural world. And you've specifically and specially given us these great details into your, your heart, your character, your work, your mercy, your love, your compassion, and our need for you. We pray this morning that you would accomplish your purposes Use these passages from your word, from Matthew, from Ruth, to accomplish your sovereign work in the hearts and lives of your people. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Seeking refuge. If we look in Ruth's life, in this account of uh, in the Old Testament, the first thing that we're struck by and that we encounter are a group of people that are seeking refuge apart from God, away from God. Look in, if you turn over to, to the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, this is 
way back very early in the Bible, page 202, or 222, if you're following along in one of the black Bibles there. Follow along, in, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 1. Listen to what we find there. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They, were in, they went into the, into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Kilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Here, we see a, a family that is part of the people of God. And they are seeking refuge in the midst of this famine away from the presence of their God. We get a very important detail there in the first verse that this book is happening during the time of the judges. If you're to read that book, what you're going to see is that that is a period of time that is uh, not a very good one for God's people. It's these repeated cycles of God's people walking and trusting him for a while. Uh, but then they begin to, to, to doubt his goodness, to question him, to begin to pursue after other gods. God and his love disciplines them by sending them to other nations uh, to, to bring them to their senses that they would call out to him. They call out and he provides redemption. And in fact, that's part of what's going on here. We see that there's a famine going on, which means... In the promised land, where God had promised to provide for his people, and he also promised that when you stray away from me, there will, you will experience famine. The proper response would be to seek refuge in God in response to his discipline, repent of your sin, and call out to him for mercy. But what do we find Elimelech and Naomi and their sons doing? Leaving. They think that the for them... In this context, where they can find refuge, where they can find deliverance, is not from the God of Israel, not in the land where he has promised to dwell with his people, but instead they flee and they go over to Moab, a country and a people that worship the God Chemosh. What is going on here it's not just them. We, we also encounter someone else who is seeking refuge apart from the God of the Bible. We meet this, this woman, Orpah, who uh, one of the sons had uh, married. Uh, and we, we find out this after both of those uh, sons die, because Elimelech dies, uh, Malon and Kilion die. It doesn't tell us why. Is it God's uh, continued uh, uh, judgment and discipline upon them, we're not told. Uh, but listen to what happens. Naomi uh, decides whether it's her coming to her senses and in repentance, she decides to return back once she hears that God has visited Israel. 
In verse 6, she rose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that Yahweh had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return, each of you to your mother's house. May Yahweh deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and me. Yahweh grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope even, if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me, to me for your sake, that the hand of Yahweh has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. In light of the situation and circumstances, uh, at first, as Naomi is, is, is headed back, Orpah and Ruth both decide that they're going to go with Naomi back to the land. Uh, but in the process, as uh, Naomi continues to urge them and saying, No, don't, don't come back with me. Go to your land, to your people, which is amazing that Naomi here, something that's going on in her mind, maybe she's figured and beginning to think, well, there's refuge potentially for me back in the land, but not for you. Orpah, Ruth, it would be better for you to go back to your, your people, to go back to your gods. There you will find refuge. In fact, Naomi makes this strange just incoherent prayer where she even prays and asks in verse 9 that Yahweh would grant that they would find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. She's praying that the God of Israel would bless them, that they would find rest apart from him. Is that even possible? Why would Naomi pray this? Orpah, though, decides, it tells us in verse 15, that she doesn't see any hope in the God of Israel. She doesn't see any way that he will provide and care for her. And she decides to go back to her mother's house. And it tells us in verse 15, back to her gods. What what about you in the situations and circumstances that you are facing. Do you perceive, like Orpah, that God can't provide for you? He is not sufficient to deal with and care for your needs. Maybe he, he won't. Maybe he doesn't want to. And so in re- response, you have decided to seek refuge and safety elsewhere. Maybe you are someone who's like Naomi. And in the midst of God's discipline, his care, instead of turning in repentance and calling out to him, you have decided to seek refuge elsewhere, not 
in the God who has saved and redeemed you, but in other gods, in other things. Where are you looking now for refuge and seeking it apart from God? Is it in real, actual other gods? Have you decided that uh, the, the, the God of the scriptures, you've given him enough time that you haven't experienced the fullness that you had hoped? Maybe you've heard uh, wrongly that he will bless you with material things, with health. And since that isn't coming about like you thought, you're going elsewhere. Uh, maybe you're looking for something more, uh, uh, more significant in your eyes. And so you're beginning to pursue things in Eastern mysticism. Uh, maybe in, in New Age spirituality, thinking that there you will find refuge, you will find the answer to your, your longings and the questions that you have. Maybe you're seeking it relationally. Maybe you're thinking that the, the place where you can go to find refuge is from other people. And so you're seeking that out, whether through uh, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Uh, maybe it's through the, the acceptance of, of a group of, of students at school that you think if you can just be brought into them, then that your life will be easier. Middle school or high school will be, able, be easier to, to, to navigate. You'll find refuge and safety there. Maybe it's in, in, a, in a longing for a husband or a wife or, or, or children that if I can just have children, then I will feel uh, uh, safe and, and, and secure. I'll feel like I matter, like I am something. Uh, maybe it's in your, in your workplace and in your, in your job. Uh, maybe a, as a, a mom, you're staying at home now, and you think that that, you're, that, that role is insignificant, and it doesn't matter, and so you're, you're longing to be in the, the workplace because then you can make a name for your, yourself and be more viewed as, as, as mattering to your parents, to your peers, to others around you. Maybe you're, you're already in uh, the workplace, and you, you think that if you can just get that promotion or get a little bit more money, that the problems and struggles that you're facing will be relieved, and you're seeking refuge there. Maybe you're seeking refuge in yourself. And your ability to control the circumstances and situations. You've made this rule for yourself that you're never going to trust anyone else. You're only going to rely and trust in yourself to keep you safe, to keep your family safe. And the more things get out of control, the more you clamp down because your refuge and your safety is found in what you can do and how you can provide and care for the people around you. Sometimes it's so out of control and you cling to that illusion so much that it only shows up in the way that you control your own diet or maybe the diet of your children because at least I can control that and find some sort of refuge or significance. Maybe it's in a, uh, uh, a political change in our country. Someone to be elected or someone to get out of office. That if just those things could change, I would feel safe and content and my heart wouldn't be at so much angst. Or maybe it's just refuge is found not in Elizabeth City. Whatever I can do to get out of here, and so I'm going to commit myself to my sport. I'm going to commit myself to my academics. I'm going to do whatever I can to get out of here 
because I'm seeing how my parents are living, and I don't want to live like that. In fact, I don't want to even be in their house anymore. I just want to get out of here. Do you think that those things will provide refuge for you? That you will really find what you're longing for, what you're searching for? The scriptures warn us of seeking refuge away from our God. But that brings up the question, what what if I do attempt to seek refuge from him? How will he respond? Is there another option? Can I go to him? And in fact, we do see there is another way to respond. Seeing people who are seeking refuge apart from God, but we also encounter someone in this book that is seeking refuge in God. Look back in verses one through, uh, or in verses six through eighteen. Remember, uh, there's this plea um, that uh, as Naomi takes that her, wants to take her two daughters-in-law back to uh, Judah when she founds out that that uh, food is growing there. Uh, At first, Orpah and Ruth say that they're going to go with her. Uh, But Orpah tries to, or Naomi tries to convince them not to go. Orpah, it says in verse 14, uh, kissed her mother-in-law, meaning she kisses her in goodbye. I'm not staying around. I'm going back to my mother and my gods. But it says this of Ruth, but Ruth clung to her. And Orpah says, I mean, Naomi says, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And where you will be buried, there... uh, and there will I be buried. May Yahweh do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. This is an incredible, marvelous response of faith. Remember what we've seen so far. Naomi and her family have decided, and they're, through their actions, communicating and proclaiming, refuge can't be found in the God of Israel. We've left him. We've come here. Maybe Chemosh and Moab will provide safety for us. There, what have they experienced? Husband, all their husbands have died. Uh, they, they look and, 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 and reflect upon the God of Israel. There's no famine in Moab. Kamash has been providing for us, yet you've come out of that land because your God couldn't provide for you? The, the only people of God they've been around, Elimelech and Naomi, Malon and Kilion. What's been Naomi's response in here? She is the worst evangelist in the history of the people of God. She tells them, don't come back with me. They say they want to come. Over and over, she says, don't. It's as if Naomi's not sure she will find refuge from God. And she says, you will be better off going back to your people and your God. Listen as she says it over and over again in verse 8. 
Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. Then again in verse 11, Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Then in verse 12, Turn back, my daughters. Go your way. Then in verse 13, she keeps telling them, No, it's my daughters. It's extremely bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of Yahweh has gone out against me. And then when Ruth uh, is still there, she again t- says to her, Look, your, do- your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Naomi seems to question and wonder, is there refuge to be found in the God of Israel? Yet, in the midst of this, Ruth somehow sees past Naomi's unfaithfulness, sees past what is on offer for her in Moab. Remember, we saw with, uh, with Tamar before that to be uh, without a, a, a husband, to be a widow in this time would have been a desperate situation. And so she has the option of staying in Moab where she knows people, where she has family, and she is choosing to go back to Israel with another widow to a place that's just experienced famine? What? What's going on with Ruth here? Notice how Boaz, who is uh, another character who's introduced to us, a relative of theirs, later in chapter 2, listen to how he interprets and explains to us what is going on in the heart and mind of Ruth. Look in verse 11 of chapter 2. Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. How you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Yahweh repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by Yahweh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. What is Ruth doing? Something, maybe she heard it from Naomi over the ten years that they lived together. She's heard something about the covenant God of Israel that she believes refuge can be found from him. He's not cold and heartless. No matter how Naomi is responding and how I've seen whatever's been at work, I want to be a part of that people. I want him to be my God, and I am fleeing to him that I might take refuge under his wing, like a mother hen, holding up her wing to to shelter in and bring in her chicks that she might protect them care for them, comfort them, keep them warm. What a perspective Ruth has on the character of our God, that he is like a hen that offers refuge under his wing. For the past few weeks, as we've looked through the the scriptures, we've encountered uh, the, the, the justice of God, and we've heard about our, our sin and our great need for payment to be made because of the debt that we have before our Father. And some of us have needed to hear that. We don't want to acknowledge our sin. We don't want to acknowledge that we are deserving of God's just wrath and punishment. And God is seeking for those of us who are prideful and arrogant 
to humble us, to show us how much we deserve his punishment. But there's some of us who you don't need any convincing. You recognize and you are full of shame and guilt. You recognize that you have not lived in a way that would be honoring to God. That hasn't been hard to convince you. What's hard for you to grasp and understand is that this same God is holding open his wings and saying, come. I want to provide refuge and care and shelter for you. But maybe you're wondering, ah, that might be true of Ruth. There's no way it's true of me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I have sought refuge before, the places I've been, the things I've done, the things that I've consumed, the people I've been with. He'll never, never let me come under his wings. Well, the original readers would have thought this too of Ruth. If we were to read through the whole book, a repeated thing that comes up over and over is the reminder that Ruth is from Moab. She is a Moabite. It's repeated 14 times. The author is wanting to drive into our understanding of who she is, that she is from Moab, because this might have been ringing in people's ears from Deuteronomy chapter 23. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of Yahweh, even to the 10th generation. None of them may enter the assembly of Yahweh forever because you did not meet with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt and because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. But Yahweh, your God, would not listen to Balaam. Instead, Yahweh, your God, turned the curse into a blessing for you because Yahweh, your God, loved you. You shall not seek their peace or their prosperity all your days forever. Moab and Amnon, two nations that have uh, the Ammonites that came from an incestuous relationship between Lot and his two daughters. Uh, in addition to that, they responded harshly when Israel was being brought out of Egypt. And, and in fact, that the land of, uh, of Moab, just before the people entered the promised land, Balaam was hired by that king to curse the people of Israel. And when God wouldn't curse them, Balaam came up with a strategy to mislead the people of Israel by introducing to them women from Moab to lead them astray. Would God extend mercy and grace to someone like Ruth? Someone from the land of Moab? A Moabite? Surely. Surely not. She may hope and think that there is a refuge to be, to be sought. But she's going to find out when she gets there that God will not extend mercy to one like her. Maybe you're thinking the same thing. There's no way. There's no way God will respond with mercy and extend refuge to someone like me. Maybe what you're afraid of is that he's just going to blame you. It's your fault. So full. 
you've seen all that you've done. Now, you deserve what you got. Maybe you're thinking that, that he won't even listen, that you're too much of an inconvenience. Maybe if he does extend you refuge, it'll be begrudgingly. When Glenda Moore was seeking refuge in that home on Staten Island, the police were, in, were interviewing the, the homeowner later, and, and he said that the reason that he didn't open the door, the first thing that he says is he thought that they were robbers trying to break in in the middle of a hurricane. Th- then he said, uh, well, he tried to blame her. Well, she shouldn't have been out in the storm anyway. Didn't she hear the warnings? She should have stayed in place. And if she would have stayed in place, her kids never would have gotten harmed. Then he said, well, what was I going to do? Look at what I had on. I had on shirt, shorts and flip-flops. Me go out in the hurricane? I'm not, I'm not trained. I'm not a rescue worker. What was I supposed to do? Endanger and risk my own life? Too much of an inconvenience for him. He blamed her. Is our God going to be like the homeowner in Staten Island? Responding to your pleas in the same way? Notice, we see here from Ruth's story how refuge is provided by God. Look in chapter 2 in verse 8. This is what Boaz does. Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. This is, he, she has gone to him to, to glean from his, his fields, meaning to pick up what was left after the harvest. Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And then down in verse 14, And at mealtime, Boaz says to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he Uh, he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her and also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it to her to glean and do not rebuke her. Uh, So she gleaned in the field until evening and she beat out what she had gleaned and took it, which was about an ephah of barley, which would have been about five gallons worth enough to provide for her and Naomi for two weeks. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. Uh, Here, uh, there were provisions in the law for the poor. Uh, God was communicating to the people of Israel, the land is mine, it's not yours. I'm providing you this grain. So when you harvest the barley or the wheat or whatever it is, you're not to take every single thing off of the, the crops. You're to leave the edges so that the poor and the needy and the sojourners can come and get food. That was the, the, the letter of the law. But Boaz, Boaz goes over and above. He generously provides for Ruth offering her protection, offering her food and drink, offering her to glean not even just on the edges. He, he allows her to eat until she's full. He sends extra grain home with her, providing and caring for her. Boaz, there's something about, as Ruth comes to seek refuge, the way that Boaz 
is providing for her. In fact, Naomi takes notice. Listen to what she says in verse 20. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, this is chapter 2, May he be blessed by Yahweh, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Uh, The he that be blessed. May he, that's Boaz, be blessed by Yahweh. But this next part, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Who's she talking about there? Is it Boaz or God? It's unclear. It's ambiguous. The author hasn't intentionally written it that way, so you have that question. Because there's such an overlap of the character and the way that Boaz is living that it reflects the heart and the character of the God of Israel. In fact, the prayer that Boaz asks over in verse 12 of chapter 2, Yahweh repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by Yahweh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have taken, come to take refuge. Boaz is actually the answer to those prayers and he provides. And remember, how did he describe what Ruth has come to do? To take refuge under the wings of the God of Israel. Over in chapter 4, uh, as it describes, or, or in chapter uh, chapter 3, actually, when it, uh, it describes uh, Ruth coming to Boaz to appeal to him to be her, uh, her redeemer and to marry her. In verse 9, he says this, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. The same thing, in the same way that Boaz reacts and responds to Ruth, are the same things that God is doing. What the scriptures are telling us is that the abundance of provision and refuge that Boaz provides reflects the very heart of God, who is honoring and caring, and who, although there was this curse against Moab, where they cursed the people of God, they received curse in response, but God never refuses one who calls out to mercy for him, who seeks refuge in him. God extends grace and mercy to Ruth, honoring her. But what have we seen? Not only this, but from Ruth and Boaz eventually comes the promised Savior of the world. Ruth isn't just brought in as a, a mere sideline portion of the people of God, but she is honored as one of the ancestresses of Jesus. Who who is this God? And how much more do we see his character revealed? You see, here it would have been great risk for Boaz to do this. In fact, later, if you read in chapter 4, another uh, closer relative says that he's not going to even try to redeem Ruth because it would jeopardize his inheritance. Boaz doesn't care the cost. He is there to redeem and do what God has called him to do, to save and redeem Ruth. What does our God do? In the depth of your sorrow and your struggles and your suffering, at great risk and cost to himself, he takes on flesh, leaving the glories of heaven to become a human. He suffers. He's beaten. He's rejected. He dies in our place. And as the scriptures describe, as Jesus was on the cross, he was there 
because of the joy of the glory that was set before him to redeem and save and deliver his people. In fact, the scriptures say that whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Do you wonder how God will respond to your pleas for refuge? Will he turn a hard heart and a cold shoulder to you? Ruth's inclusion in the scriptures and specifically in the genealogy of Jesus say no. Have no fear. Do not doubt God's goodness and his mercy. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you are now. Call out to him. Seek refuge under his wings in love and grace and compassion. He extends it to you. You will be received. You will be forgiven. You will be welcomed and richly provided for. It may be hard. It may be difficult. But God will be with you. He will redeem and he will save you. If you are a member of God's people already, you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus. And right now you're struggling under God's hard hand, his fatherly discipline. Would you hear and see what he encourages Naomi in? Because at the end of Ruth, not only is Boaz described as a redeemer of Ruth, he's described as a redeemer of Naomi, that the Lord as well has not turned his heart from, he's not turned his eye from. Are you a member of God's people and you're fleeing from him right now, seeking refuge elsewhere? You haven't run too far yet. His wings are open for you. Hear his call. Hear, in fact, the call from the, the last book of the Bible. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Abundant provision and refuge is waiting for you in Jesus. Come, come to him and find it there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you for your grace, redeeming and saving sinners, offering refuge to those who call out and seek you. Turn our hearts to you. May we see Jesus' sufficiency. May we see your grace, your love, and your comfort. For his glory, we pray. Amen.